we're saying, actually, yes, it's okay to go to therapy. Doing your inner work, resolving your own traumas, addressing childhood issues is not only not a taboo thing that we're going to say, wow, you're really f***ed up. I'm questioning my whole decision of hiring you because you're going to therapy, you must be weak. That's one context. And another context is saying, oh, you know what? Vulnerability is strength. How we do anything is how we do everything. And so if you're working towards your own emotional fitness, then you're going to be a better leader. You're going to be setting an example that, yeah, we all have issues. We all have mental health struggles. And we can talk about that. That sets a context that it's okay to talk about these things. Welcome to the Best Self-Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf. Me and David have been working together along with our co-founder, Nazar, and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago. One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work. Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers, and maximize everyone's potential. Welcome back to the Best Self-Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel, CEO of 15.5. I'm here with my co-founder, Shane Metcalf, who is our Chief Culture Officer. And we're really excited to dig in on this episode. Thank you for joining us again. We really value that you are tuning in and sharing with us some of your most precious commodity, your attention. All right. So in a previous episode, we laid out the five pillars to best self-management. And we said that they were strengths, positivity, motivation, psychological safety, and mindset. Those are pretty good. They are pretty good. However, we did schedule the the deep dive, the three days of diving in with our head of people science, Courtney Bigany, after that podcast. We really should have scheduled a before (laughs) where we were refining those five pillars. That's right. And we actually decided that those are key, key, key elements to best self-management, but they're actually not the highest level pillars. They're more archways, let's say. (laughs) Archways, right. The five archways of best self-management. Yeah, there we go. And, you know, I mean, I think that it's also to let you in on our process as we've been dissecting and examining and contemplating the way that we've built our organization over the last years, the way that other world-class organizations have created truly extraordinary workplaces, and we're synthesizing that information. We're really looking at how do you do the extraordinary? How do you build a culture that people love and thrive in and achieve extraordinary business performance? And that is fundamentally what this podcast, what our company is all about. Yep. And it's worth noting that I think in the early days, we were informed by a lot of these topics, these concepts. We built the company and the culture intuitively. We certainly made mistakes, but we got a lot right. And then in our in our evolution, we decided, okay, we want to we want to be able to communicate this in a way that you could actually take this on and get the kind of results we've had with our people and culture. And so that was the intention behind coming up with the concept of best self-management, saying, look, don't just practice performance management because performance is a byproduct. If you instead support people in becoming their best selves, 
you're going to get performance, you're going to get loyalty, you're going to get all these great things. And we wanted to be able to, to teach this in a way that people could grasp it and put it into action. And that's why we're doing this. And so in that process, when we sat down with Courtney, we went through these five pillars and we went through everything we know about what we've done. And we realized there's actually a better model to conceptualize how to put this into action. So we're really happy to present to you the three pillars of best self-management. <laughs> so pillar number one, uh, it starts with creating a powerful shared context. If you don't have a context that you're working within, it's going to be meaningless. And contexts create meaning. Contexts create behavioral changes. Think about the different contexts that you already operate in in different areas of your life. Yep. I think that this is actually, when people think about culture, a lot of the historical discussion around what do you need to create a, a great culture has oriented around this concept of mission, vision, values, right? Or purpose and values. Uh, I think uh, it was Jim Collins in the book, Good to Great, talked about this in, in a big way and talked about, you know, the, the best companies in the world have these values. They have this mission, they have the vision. And all that is is context, right? That's one of the key, key components of creating a great culture is having clarity on what the context is and then also living it. You know, you think of the shared context of working at Enron, where, you know, it's make as much money as you can, break the rules, defy the regulations, lie, cheat, steal your way to the top. Versus the shared context of, say, Patagonia. And Yvonne's recently refined the why of Patagonia is to save planet Earth. That is the shared context that everybody in Patagonia is working under is we are working to save the Earth, to prevent ecological collapse. Very different contexts, going to produce very different cultures. But it starts, it's, it's, the, it's the, what's it called, the, where a river kind of comes out of a mountain Hmm. The, the origin of the origin. a river, uh-huh. that's the context, is where the river starts. Yes. And it influences everything. If the river is polluted from the source, it's going to be polluted all the way down to the ocean. Yeah. And, and I think it's worth noting that in the context of best self, uh, we don't think that anyone can really truly be their best self unless they have a context they're living within, either as part of another group or a context that they've set themselves, right? Your reason for being, your purpose, your your own personal principles and values, all of these things are contextual. So we'll go over the other two pillars and then we're going to go in deeper into creating powerful shared context because we're going to do episodes on each one of these. So we're going to explore how to create a powerful shared context. What does that really mean? What are the actions that you can do today to influence that. And then the second pillar. Yep. The second pillar is to support people in being and becoming their best selves. That's where a lot of the things that we talked about previously do live. And this is the individual. This is the focus on the individual in the system. So again, with the powerful shared context, it's things like mission, vision, values, principles, agreements, goals, all of that kind of stuff, right? Then we focus on the growth and development and engagement of each individual. When you really start to realize that organizations are simply 
a collection of individuals that to realize an organization's full potential, you need to realize the full potential of every individual within it. It's quite simple math. Which leads into the third pillar, because if you just have a bunch of individuals who are working on their own growth and development inside a shared context. No woman is an island. (laughs) Right. The problem is they all interact with one another. We all interact with one another. And, Wait, uh, that's a problem? I thought that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the problem right, is... And that can be a problem. As we all know, without certain humans skills, interacting right. with each other most certainly can be a problem. You probably have some problems right now because of your interactions with other humans. With some other people. And we call uh, the broad umbrella of those problems relational friction. It's uh, more common than it is not common to have relational friction in organizations. And the antidote is our third pillar. And we call that cultivating relational mastery. These are higher order relating skills than are commonly taught in most families, in most uh, schooling and society. But when you do take them on and you learn how to relate in a higher order way with other human beings, it's the antidote to that relational friction. And so if you put it all together, creating the powerful shared context for why we exist. It calls us all to being. It calls us to action. It gives us something to work together toward, to be inspired by. It's one of the keys for intrinsic motivation. There's a lot of things that best self can't really exist without that. And best, you know, like a best company. You You don't have a reason to be your best self without a context. Exactly. And so then support each individual in being, becoming their best selves, and then create a culture and cultivate relational mastery, those three things operate as a very powerful pyramid inside of which those other things we've already talked about, like psychological safety, positivity, motivation, strengths, and mindset fit within these. But these are the highest order pillars. So 15.5, we've built a technology platform that automates a lot of the best practices of management to build world-class workplaces. But we know that technology is not enough by itself. There needs to be education and awareness. That is largely why we've started this podcast, so we can talk about the philosophy driving the company, driving the product. We're really excited to announce that we are releasing another platform that is really going to help with that process. We're introducing the 15.5 Best Self Academy. So if you love these topics and you want to go through a process of actually learning some of these, putting them into action, giving opportunities for your leaders, your managers, your employees to learn the fundamental practices of best self-management, you can go online to the 15.5 Best Self Academy, sign up for the various courses there. We have some free content. We have some more in-depth paid content. And we hope this will support you in your journey in creating a best self world-class workplace. So please go online to the 15.5 Best Self Academy. That's at 15.5.com slash academy. Okay, so let's go deep into creating a powerful shared context. So I I really love what you were laying out, that it is the it provides the purpose, it provides the North Star for an organization. It is the magnet that can create alignment of every single person pointing in the same direction and understanding we have a reason for existing. We are not simply out to make money. We have a purpose. Yeah, and that's a lot of what, you know, Simon Sinek's work on purpose and why 
And uh, you know, he talks about the most successful, inspiring companies are the ones who start with why, meaning they're starting with their context, like you said, the source of that river. And when you have a purpose for the organization where money is really, really critical, right? And but it, it's a, it's a byproduct of being in service to someone else through business, living that purpose, and then the money comes as a result. So I'd like you to just pause for a moment. And you can even pause the podcast and see, are you clear why your organization exists? And does that do anything? Does that elicit an emotional response? Do you feel connected to that purpose? Is it wallpaper or is it lived? And if it's wallpaper, you have a problem. Your company is suffering as a result of not bringing alive that purpose. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, that's that's not uncommon, but you're not going to build a world-class company unless you have an inspiring purpose or a purpose that really galvanizes people, that they feel connected to, that when they show up to work, there's a reason they're there to create, to co-create something extraordinary. And I think that we have to mention that the state of the world is in a pretty wild moment. You know, whatever your orientation, there's an enormous amount of change and uncertainty happening in our world. There's a lot of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And we're also in this moment where people don't necessarily have a deep sense of belonging, either in the families or churches you know, in religions, you know, we're at this really interesting crossroads where business actually can provide one of the deepest places of belonging and one of the highest sources of meaning in someone's life, which has not always been the case. There's been different institutions that have played that role throughout history. But business has a unique opportunity, kind of unprecedented, to provide meaning. And I think we really need it. If we're going to blossom in the 21st century rather than decay as a species, we need people living their purpose. Well, think about this. I mean, you know, we put a lot of this on the government, right? But think about how much more often, as citizens of this country, we, we interact with each other in the context of business versus the context of government. Right, we're in businesses every day long. We we transact with other businesses and people at other businesses all day long. It astounds me sometimes. You can you can walk into an organization, whether it's checking in at a certain airline counter or going into a certain store, and you can get a sense immediately for what kind of company and culture and what kind of context has been set through how that individual is now interacting with you as a customer. So we do have an business has an, an incredible opportunity to dramatically change lives and our society and our interactions with each other. And it starts with context. Okay. So getting clear on your why, really where it starts. And that's something that you can't do too early. That's something that is very appropriate to start crafting if you're one person and if you're a thousand people and you don't have it, then get busy. You know, you needed that yesterday. And this could be, it can be a challenging process. It can be a confronting process. This is not, um, 
I know for us, we're blessed, I think, in the purpose arena because you know what we're doing is we're creating a model to really change lives through creating world-class companies, supporting people in becoming their best selves. It's generally something people like to get behind and are inspired by. We were recently speaking at an event and uh, someone came up to me and, and he said, look, you know, we make sporks and I struggle with this purpose thing. It's like, but I do love a good sport. I do love a, I love a good spork as well. You know, I just want to use that as an example, right? Because it may feel like it's hard to find purpose if you're in what might be considered a commodity business, right? The service you're providing to the end users might be something that, you know, is more generic. It's not, it's not actually changing lives so much. And you could try to find purpose in that. That's fine. But you don't have to tie your purpose to the product you're delivering. For many organizations, you can create a purpose in your company that's really about creating an extraordinary workplace, about really supporting people in their lives and their families or in the communities. Like there can be a deeper purpose of the company where it, it doesn't always have to be connected to the product. So well, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, think of Zappos and they're selling shoes, right? You know, just the same business as DSW and everyone else selling shoes. And yet they created a powerful shared context of delivering happiness. Yes. And that was their seventh context. They had seven iterations over 10 years. So I, I just, again, I want to, I want to give you all permission. If you're listening to this, and thinking about how to do your your purpose and your why, um, that you can kind of get in the ballpark and you can refine it over time. It's okay. You don't have to get it perfect and right the first time. Well, even for ourselves, there's been multiple iterations of our why. You know, maybe next podcast, we'll be sharing a new why with y'all. It could happen. And and so it's more of a, a verb than a noun. I mean, all of these things, I think, are more verbs than nouns. Mm-hmm. A powerful shared context is something that is a real-time phenomenon. You can kind of coast on the purpose that you set yesterday. But if we don't stand in front of our company on Monday and reinforce and reinvigorate and rediscover our why, it'll grow stale. Right, exactly. You have to keep it alive, essentially. And that all happens in language. That's why we love communication. That's why we are such fans of language and human interaction is because that's how we keep these things alive. Because there are just ideas. You know, it's not like 15 fives why create this space for people to become their best selves is something that actually exists anywhere. It's an idea. It's language. It's words we've strung together on a string and made a little necklace of purpose. Yeah, and that's the cool thing. You get to make it up, right? If you're a leader of a company or you're involved, you're an influencer at a company, you get to make this up. You get to, and, and it doesn't always have to be at the company level. We, we had, I mean, this has been wonderful. We've had teams come back from their retreats, right? Our support group and our customer success team coming back with their own why for their for their group with inside the company, right? So the context can nest as well. So great resources on this. You know, Simon Sinek's kind of the king when it comes to why you would do yourself well if you haven't watched his TED Talk or read his book. It's a really great resource to kickstart the why of your organization. And again, if your why isn't actually inspiring you, if it's not doing anything, it's everybody looks at it of like, yeah, well, that's bullshit. 
you can change it. You can refresh it. You can reinvent it. And and again, going back to the to the idea that if you feel like, oh, I'm not I'm not in a business that can have a why or a purpose, I, I would challenge you on that. And and prior to starting 15.5, I used to run these strategy retreats for, you know, kind of run of the mill companies that were not tech companies, uh, that were Spork makers. Spork makers. Let's use that as an analogy. And I, every one of them, I would show the Simon Sinek TED Talk. It's like 15 minutes. It's the best 15. You know, if you have not watched it, highly recommend doing it. Get your leadership team together and put it on. Even if you've already watched it, it's a, it's a great refresher. Every single time, even in the times I walked in there thinking, man, I don't think these people are going to go for this. Every single time, the teams would say, wow, this." they were really engaged, really excited about the process. They came up with with something that really galvanized them. And so you just got to do it. If you like what you're hearing and you want to help us spread this message, the best thing that you can do is write a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the 15.5 Best Self Management Podcast. And if you take a screenshot of that review and email it to podcast at 15.5.com, we'll reply with a code where you can get a free 15.5 t-shirt. They're very comfortable. I wear mine all the time. Want to give a shout out to KKF2 who wrote us a great review on iTunes and they said, I'm hooked, a great way to gain exposure to a fresh perspective that is truly riveting. I was on the search for ideas about improving performance management when I stumbled across an article on best self-management. After reading that article, I was hooked. I then discovered these podcasts and have been listening to them over and over again. The conversations are stimulating, authentic, and inspiring. Loving every bit. KKF2, I am inspired and loving every bit of this review. Thank you so very much. And ProDog, great name, says, This podcast has helped change my way of thinking. As a user of the actual 15.5 product, it's interesting to see the concepts and functionality of it relate directly to what they are talking about. 10 out of 10 recommend. Thanks, ProDog. Okay, so you, you create your why. It inspires you. It actually connects to your emotional body, not just your mind. And because what it does is it is it creates the vision. It creates that that north star, that magnetic center of gravity that will then actually pull you into the future. It'll actually give you something to look forward to, align yourself with, and then it brings the company along that path. Okay, then create your values. So there's the why, why we exist, and then values are the way we solve problems on a day-to-day basis, the way we actually perform our jobs, the way we treat each other, the way we think about our work, about each other, about ourselves, about the world. And you may have lots of values, and I'm I'm a big fan of, of articulating the values as some people call them cultural statements. I like to call them values in action so that you turn them into verbs rather than a, a value. We've had a histor- historical value, health and vitality. The value might be health and vitality. We value health and vitality, but we turn that into an action statement that says cultivate health and vitality because we want to reinforce the behavior, lived value. That's why we call it a value in action. And so values, you know, just, just a word of caution, which is that if you create values and you don't have integrity with them, or they're not real, they're just fluff pieces, so you can check that box, but you want to just get to the real work, they can do more harm than if you 
didn't have them at all. Yeah, if you put them up on the wall and they're not real, you're at major risk of breeding cynicism because people will look at that and say, well, that's not us and we're not even trying. Yeah, and what it does is it erodes trust. It increases, it further increases distrust in your organization. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you know that we believe that trust can be one of the single most powerful amplifiers of your business. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have values that aren't aspirational, right? I think it's it's okay to have something be aspirational if you're committed to it and it's, you know, it's it's at arm's reach, right? Uh, it's something you want to drive toward, but you really have to you really have to own it and be committed to it. So thinking about your values, what you're trying to get to is what's the real essence of us as individuals, because you need to bring your personal values. You need to integrate your personal values with your company values. And now, you know, maybe you listening to this aren't on the committee that's deciding. Maybe you're not a founder. Maybe you're not head of people, but you still want to be thinking, how do I bring my own higher values to the table at this company? Because, you know, it's it's kind of a funny thing where people think, okay, well, we only have four values, and that means those are the only values that are at play inside of this company. Right. <laughs> eh, eh, eh. False. Totally not true. Everyone's values are always at play inside of a company. And what good company core values will do is elicit and bring out the best from each person. Their yeah. own personal values can kind of anchor onto the core values and then in that process cultivate and develop and inspire and liven and elevate the individual's own values. And really what we want to be doing is we want to use our company values to solve our business problems. And so when, you know, recently somebody asked me, how do you know when to refresh your values? And what I realized was, you know you need to refresh your values when you can no longer solve the current challenges and problems of the business through the values. And so when you're thinking of, okay, cool. So, you know, we're at this stage of business and we used to have 10 values at 15.5 and they were awesome. Nobody could ever remember all of them, not even us. And that was, I mean, that's also a good sign. (laughs) You should refresh your values, but they got us to where we are and they've been amazing. And they really have shaped the conversation. They've helped us choose left when we could have turned right. They're little, you know, cultural DNA influencers. And now as we're looking at, okay, holy shit, there's this massive mountain that we're now climbing and we can't solve all those problems that are coming along with this new expedition with those 10 values. And so we took a step back and we looked at what's needed now and also how do we transcend those 10 values but include all of them into the new right and we'll go into we should you know yeah, we'll, go into whole, our, we'll do our, a podcast yeah. on on just on that whole process because I think well it's really what's funny is they basically mirror best self-management <laughs> yes. of, of real quick we'll just sure we can spill sure. the beans yeah yeah, yeah. Spill the beans. all right so the new values 
Um, well, if you remember uh, from best self management, it's create a powerful shared context, be and become your best self, cultivate relational mastery as the, the triangle that creates the foundation to build a world-class workplace. Now, our four company values are, you might be shocked, be and become your best self, cultivate relational mastery, and then this is where we deviate from the triangle. Yes. Now, those two things allow you to do the extraordinary value number three. So when you have people who are committed to being and becoming their best selves, I, I blamed there for a second. You looked mastery. at me, I was, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, wait, what is, the third, what is the third one? No, no, I got this. I haven't, I actually, this. I haven't actually even talked to Shane about like the, how I think about these things, but I, I feel like those two things, right? Being and becoming your best self, cultivate relational mastery, give you the possibility to live the third value, which is do, do the, the extraordinary. extraordinary. Exactly. And all that together then allows us to live value number four, which is create customer transformation. So that's how we've decided that we're going to move forward into the future with values that, A, we can all remember. <laughs> and that really... I thought I thought I had them all. <laughs> that take all the 10 values we had and, and synthesize them down into a, a potent four core values that we can live and focus on. And I have to say, you know, it's the, the amazing part of this, and we, you know, we'll go in more detail uh, in the next episode. But for me, I've noticed I've started to change my behavior based on those new values and started to live more into each one of them yeah. in a more powerful way because because that's well, living and, in and again, the values. This is why creating powerful shared context is so transformative. Because all of a sudden, we have everybody in our company talking about cultivating relational mastery, thinking about it, understanding, oh yeah, I have an issue with somebody. Ah, I got to cultivate a little re relational mastery. Go in and lean in and have that clearing conversation. And so values can be really powerful or they can be watered down or they can just be non-existent. Choose the first one. Make your values come alive. And then you want to think about how do the values penetrate throughout the whole company so that they influence our, our hiring process. They influence our firing process. They influence our promotion policies. They inform our performance management. They inform our one-on-ones. They inform how we do business with our customers. They really can expand to encompass every facet of your company. And they will, if done correctly, change the conversation that's happening between people. Exactly. And we think about any of the other things that are really linguistic in nature, right? So when you write down your purpose, you write down your values, you're just creating language that is a shared narrative for people to co-own essentially and live into. And anything else in that realm, including, you know, we think our, our purpose is the North Star. It's the general direction we're going to. It's the thing we want to, we want to focus on, the mission and the vision. And the distinction there for, for people who may be confused between mission and vision, the way I like to think about it is the mission is the thing that you do every day. This is why we exist to deliver this. The vision is what's the world going to look like if we're radically successful 25, 30 years from now, living that mission every day and compounding our uh, and scaling our impact, right? It's going to be a very, very different world. A great vision was, you know, Microsoft, uh, Bill Gates had a vision of a computer on every desktop, which when he said that, it was unfathomable because all we had at that moment were, you know, big computers in rooms that only corporations owned, you know, and now we've got a computer in every pocket. So like that vision was realized and then some. Just a fun little side note, our vision is 
the entire global workforce operating with their potential fully unlocked. That work becomes a source of joy and creativity and fulfillment, where psychological safety is the norm, not the exception, where people have some of the best experiences of their life, some of the best relationships of their life at work, not how it is now with 70% disengagement and on and on and on. And again, all that is, all we've done in describing that a little bit is create a vision, which is a context. Then all of a sudden people are joining 15.5 saying, yes, that's the world that I want to live into. I want to be a part of this people revolution. I've worked at shitty jobs. I've felt the pain of not having a good manager, of having poor relationships with my coworkers, of the, the dread at the bottom of my stomach as I realize that it's Sunday night and I'm going back to work tomorrow. And they say, I want to be a part of changing that because it is possible. And all that is, is that's just a bunch of words. Just a bunch of words. Yeah. And yet, whoom, creates a very different type of motivation. Yes. And so anything that you can do in that realm, so the context is not just limited to the purpose and the values, the other things that it might include, or you might paint a picture, like there's a great, uh, one of our advisors, Cameron Harold, has this practice that he used to call a painted picture, and now he calls a vivid vision where you essentially write out three pages of what does your business look like in three years. So it's it's not just that far out North Star, but you're really creating, again, in language, what, is the, what does the future look like? So anytime you paint a picture or create a vivid vision of the future down the line, you might further inside of that set key thrusts or strategic objectives or rocks or OKRs or whatever you call them. It doesn't matter. But you have some objectives for the entire company to align around. That's context. It gives shared purpose and direction. And let's go deeper into this because I think that sometimes people think, okay, cool, vision, values, yes, great, but where's the rubber meet the road? And goals is something that I think a lot of people don't think of as context. And yet it is. A goal and an objective is the the short-term, immediate context that your life then is shaping into. And, and it's why OKRs are so powerful when you get them right. It's because you take the big vision, the big objectives of the company, and you chunk them down where every individual has a meaty chunk to bite their teeth into for the larger objective. Exactly. And so I think it, it, as leaders and managers, you have to be able to simultaneously work on different horizons of time. Right? So when we think about a, ten, a decade horizon of time or more, that's where vision and values make sense. When you look at three years, it's getting a little more distinct. You might have some high-level, um, you know, more clarity of what things are specifically going to look like. Right. So 10 years, you might be thinking more about impact. Three years, you might be thinking about really building out things in a, in a particular way. One year, you're, now you're getting into the goal territory. On a one-year horizon of time, Right? There are maybe specific things that you need to accomplish to be on track to hit the three-year thrusts and the 10-year vision. And then on a quarterly basis, you got to chunk down even more. Right, And it's, it's so the shorter the horizon of the time, the more specific and focused and measurable and distinct the context needs to be. And then that becomes a galvanizing force for people to come together to make it happen. 
So once you have your why, you have your values, you're setting objectives. And again, by 10-year, five-year, three-year, yeah, one year. I, I like 10, three, and one. But 10, you three, one. pick your own. Yeah. Yeah. And we got that from traction, right? Is that right? Um, I think it was preceded traction, but uh, it's, it's, it's in that realm. Yeah. Traction, Rockefeller habits, they all talk about very similar things. Then you want to think about how do you bring that to life through group habits and group rituals? We have this context of becoming our best selves. And then we bring that to life through things like a weekly gratitude reflections and meditations and a stipend, a health and vitality stipend, where people can pursue their own physical, emotional practices sponsored by the company. That we're giving permission. We're saying, actually, yes, it's okay to go to therapy. You know, that doing your inner work, resolving your own traumas, addressing childhood issues is not only not a taboo thing that we're going to say, wow, you're really fucked up. I'm questioning my whole decision of hiring you because you're going to therapy, you must be weak. And that's one context. And another context is saying, oh, you know what? Vulnerability is strength. How we do anything is how we do everything. And so if you're working towards your own emotional fitness then you're going to be a better leader. You're going to be setting an example that, yeah, we all have issues. We all have mental health struggles. And we can talk about that. That sets a context that it's okay to talk about these things. Right. And creating that shared narrative about what's okay in your organization and what's not. That's context. Creating specific agreements that's context. Creating a set of principles by which we're going to operate, that's context. It's endless. You can create as much context as you feel is needed. And so I definitely encourage you to, to not limit yourself just to the mission, vision, values, as many companies do. And then, you know, something that I think that we haven't talked that much about, but I think that we do a little bit of it, and I want to do a lot more of it, actually, in 15.5, is helping people connect to their own purpose, to their own goals. You know, because it's the nature of an organization to kind of consume from its people more than it necessarily gives their people. Because, hey, we have these insane goals, the dynamics of capitalism force this quarterly pressure. And so the business is going to take a lot. Hell, you know, like 15.5 takes a lot from our people. There's no denying that. And so what is a, a cool way of creating more equilibrium and harmony in the relationship between employee and employer is ensuring that you are helping people live an examined life. You know, the throw quote that the unexamined life isn't worth living. And so can you help people discover and create their own powerful context for their life? Of what do you really want? Like, what's what's actually important to you? What is your legacy? What's going to be important to you on your deathbed? What are your professional ambitions? What do you want to be able to do in six months that you can't do now? What's your personal bucket list? How can our company be a vehicle for you to realize your own dreams, your own purpose? And that's when people are like, oh, cool. 
I'm not just here for a paycheck. I'm here to live my best life and to do the best work of my life. Yes. Right. And that creates a really powerful relationship, right? One where people want to contribute in a big way, one where they feel there's mutuality, they feel a sense of you know deeper commitment and connection, and they want to stick around. Uh, I think about that, uh, that, that was a book called The Dream Manager, was it? Yeah. I think we read at one point. And I think the context was set in, a, in a, an industry of very, very high turnover, like 400% turnover. Janitorial, janitorial services. services. And they had 84% a year. Crazy, turnover. crazy turnover. Um, you know, it was industry norm, but certainly when, you know, they started working with the, the gentleman who wrote the book, he didn't feel like that was acceptable and encouraged uh, the company to put in place a, a dream manager who would work with some of the people who had been there for a period of time and identifying what their dreams are and then supporting them and moving toward it. And even with some employees who've been there for a while, like even providing that service to their children, I believe. And I think, I don't remember the exact statistics, but it was unbelievable dramatic turnaround in terms of their turnover and retention. Just from that very simple thing of of these employees feeling like, wow, this company really has my back and cares about my life not just you know what I'm doing for the company. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if they changed, if this really showed up in their purpose statement as a company, but part of their powerful shared context as a company was for the realization of our employees' dreams. And whoo, that's something that is available to every person listening to this podcast. You know, how, what a cool life that is to live in service of other people realizing their heart's deepest dreams. What an amazing world we could create in a couple of generations. Right. So that's shared context. And the reason it specifically says a powerful shared context is because with the more intention, the more clarity, and the more connection that it it drives between the the context itself and the people in your company, the better the results you're going to have. Yeah, there's always a shared context. That's right. There's always a shared context, whether you're intentionally creating it or not. Okay, so I think I... Tune in to the next episode where we're going to be talking about the second pillar of best self-management of helping people be and become their best selves. Because you create the powerful shared context, but then you need to equip people and give them the, the skills, resources, developmental opportunities that drives the performance to actually realize those lofty objectives that you created in the powerful shared context. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time. A big thank you to our producer, Counter-Ray Creative, and our executive producer, David Misney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 15.5.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers. One of the easiest and highest leverage things you can do to support us in this podcast is write a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. It really does go a long way in terms of getting the word out and more people can hear this message so that we can start a movement and truly get more and more businesses out there helping their people become their best selves. To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. And if you have a question or comment you'd like us to address in a future show, please email us at podcast at 15.5.com. And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self. Best Self.